the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the London Free Press Podcast. I hope you've been keeping warm. It's been a very chilly week, bit of a cold snap here in London and areas over the last few days. I'm your host, Lindsay Barnett. And once again, I am joined by London Free Press health reporter, Jennifer Beeman. Jen, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. I'm excited to chat with you because uh, you're always like a little bit of positivity in my life when I get to chat with you, especially because it's always COVID when we're talking, but you always seem to offer some amazing insight as to glimmer of hope with what's coming up. So um, I will start by saying I am not a ray of sunshine right now. Numbers came out today. Uh, I think it was maybe the one of the worst days we've had in London, Middlesex County with regards to deaths. Provincially, numbers have been up with deaths. So let's kind of get into the numbers today a little bit. Uh, So six deaths today in London, three are unvaccinated, two are linked to long-term care homes. The remaining three are double-dosed, at least one of them is triple-dosed. So, um, but you know, they're they're at an age, age is a big thing where, you know, that makes you more vulnerable. That's just something we've learned from the beginning. It's not great. Six is a lot. Just recently, we had another day with six. Back in January of 2021, during the height of that really, really miserable kind of second wave, we had a day with seven. So we're certainly one of the highest days locally. The province keeps dumping death counts, uh, which is kind of shocking and jarring. And they always put out a little statement saying, oh, this includes deaths from several weeks ago, but still we're talking about quite a few. Today was well over 80 deaths that they just put down on a single day. They wouldn't all happen yesterday or the day before, but still it's, it's, kind of nasty business we're in. And I think not something that a lot of us expected, but certainly uh, here we are. Yeah. 35 deaths so far since the start of January in Middlesex County. Um, It is, it's very jarring. You're right. When we see these numbers and I think I've been a little bit conflicted since the province changed the rules with regards to testing. So What's happening, something that we all need to keep an eye on really at this point is ICU admissions and number of people in the hospital. We're seeing numbers kind of start to decline, but we're still seeing deaths kind of spike. What are the ICU numbers looking like right now? Deaths and hospitalizations lag. We kind of reached our third wave peak, it sounds like, last week for cases or at least sort of community transmission, but hospitalizations are still kind of up there. We're at about 160 at LHSC. We've been around there for about you know, a week or more. Um, odd thing about this wave, intensive care unit admissions are kind of kind of low, about 20 people. Back in the third wave, it was like upwards of 40 uh, we had in ICU. So it was really, really massive. Um, you know, it, it's really tough. I think Omicron's really changed the game for us here. And it's so ubiquitous. It's so everywhere that it's finding really vulnerable people. And I think that that's kind of the Omicron adage here is, Back when people were saying it's milder or, or it's you know going to be a fine for most people, it's like you know a, even if a small percentage get very sick and die, a small percentage of a large number is still a pretty big number. And so I think that's kind of the how this is playing out and why we're seeing numbers we are. There's that positivity I was talking about. <laughs> right. Uh, I do want to look ahead to next week because once again everything changes next week with regards to Ontario's reopening plan. 
first of all, do we think this is going to be kind of the last of it? Because again, and I'm pretty in tune with the news, but there's been a lot of confusion. I've heard a lot of talk of Omicron leading us to this being an endemic. And uh, I just don't know if I buy it. Um, so starting Jan 31st, we are seeing some of the rules change. Let's talk a little bit about capacity limits and what we will see change next week. So we'll be able to eat in restaurants again and play youth sports and all that kind of good stuff, but there'll still be quite a few limitations. Um, as far as whether this will be the last lockdown, I mean, we, most of us, a lot of us, a lot of people, a lot of experts thought that, you know, the lockdown from last spring was going to be kind of it once we had vaccines rolling out, but Omicron, like just completely changed the game and changed the calculations. So there's billions of people in the world that don't have access to vaccines, even a single first dose yet. There's always the potential for it to, to, to mutate, for new variants to emerge. We're going to see new variants at some point. It remains to be seen um, what effect they have. And so, you know, it's, it's tough. It's been tough for the last two years to not be able to live with any sort of a measure of certainty about what the next couple months of your life will look like. Uh, reopening is good. I mean, that'll make people happy and kind of feel a little normal again, but certainly it's, it's tentative. It feels tentative. I don't know about you, but it just sort of, you know, you just got to kind of watch and see what happens. Yeah. I feel honestly like I've been walking around on eggshells for the better part of six months, kind of holding my breath, not really knowing what was going on. And I know I'm not the only person in that position. Um, the reopening plan is kind of interesting how they've laid it out again. So first reopening date, Jan 31st, and then they jump ahead to Feb 21st. Um, do we think that this is realistic? I know that there has still been a huge problems uh, problem with kids back in school and school closures at this point and reporting. And again, it's all got to do with lack of testing and lack of available testing. So, I mean, you're totally right there. They're, they've set the, the three-week kind of timeline for moving through the phases. And I don't know why we keep doing that because it seems like by now we should know that Omicron and, and COVID kind of laughs at our timelines. Um, so, I mean, I'd, I think a lot of Ontarians would really like to see things improve to the point that we can really kind of get things going and, uh, and open, but you know, it's anyone's guess, really the hospitals I've got to say, aren't doing so well, 160 in hospital at LHSC is quite a few. It's the highest it's ever been. The disease there is the disease burdens giant, uh, a lot of outbreaks at LHSC, a lot of their units at UH and Vic, um, including, you know, there's at least one death that's linked to those. So it's not a good time for hospitals, for healthcare workers, for that sector, so any reopening, we do need to kind of keep that in mind. And I know that's certainly a metric the province is looking at, but it's uh, really anyone's guess if we'll move through on that timeline they've set. Talking about LHSE, what are the numbers looking like amongst staff uh, with regards to current COVID cases? Because it was really bad, I want to say about two and a half weeks ago. Um, but again, everybody is saying that here, at least here in Ontario and Quebec, Omicron has peaked. But what are the numbers looking like right now amongst staff? So there's a little glimmer there and it's the kind of the consistent decline in the number of staff cases at that hospital, which is good. We were up over 500 for a while there. Um, and then it's, it's really been declining. I think we're under 200 today. So good news there. But again, I mean, they're still dealing. That's still a lot of people. It's a lot of absenteeism. And that's not just LHSC. That's everywhere across the province. So no, the system's really under strain. Uh, and I, I think the big thing, too, that needs to be remembered is, yes, reopening is great, but we really need to think about getting surgeries up and running. Like we're we're canceling a lot of surgeries just to kind of mitigate as best we can this Omicron wave. And that that 
can't continue for very long. Like that's very serious stuff that needs to be tended to. So um, I would hope that the reopening plan would also involve a reopening of surgeries. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's very sustainable. I do want to kind of talk about vaccination rates a little bit. We did hit a milestone here uh, yesterday or the day before with how many doses had been handed out, but I do, and I might be putting you on the spot, so I apologize in advance, but I do want to kind of talk about the school age kids because last thing I had read was uh, vaccinations had plateaued and not really a big uptick amongst the kids who had recently been the most recent eligible age group to get vaxxed. That is true. Uh, they became eligible, I think, late November, early December. And there was sort of an initial rush for some people. But by Christmas, I remember I was speaking to someone from the health unit and they were seeing appointments sort of dwindle already back at that point. And, you know, it's, the uptake is kind of slowed there, um, which is unfortunate because, you know, more vaccines out there in the community is a good thing and certainly what, you know, public health officials want. Uh, I, I don't really know what they can do to increase uptake. I think maybe some people just need some time. The kids' vaccines might have been met with a little bit of resistance from parents, even fully vaccinated people that are just kind of like, all right, well, my kids are low risk anyway. You know, why do they need this shot? So, you know, there's a hope that in time that that'll kind of tick up, but that's certainly a little bit of a sore spot. The other one is booster uptake. There's lots of space for boosters. Um, it's not like it was back in December when it was just like, like a Hunger Games kind of thing for boosters. There's lots of space and the, the, there's been kind of a tepid response there. And I think that that's unfortunate, something that public health officials really want to boost. Um, no pun intended there. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I was thinking it. Um, well, I, I guess I'm just wondering too, do you think, and again, nobody has a crystal ball, but you're more in tune with the health unit. And I don't know if this is even something that would happen on a provincial level or a federal level. Uh, I guess two-part question, do you think that vaccines among school-age kids will be mandated to allow them in schools like a lot of other vaccines are? And if not, come Feb 21st, if you want to go to an indoor space like a restaurant, proof of vax is going to be required. Do school-age kids fall into that category as well? School-age kids do not, from much of what I recall. Um, it's 12 and up for vaccine passports and places like that. Um, and, and, you know, Dr. Moore on the, on the should they be mandated for school-age children just recently, a couple of weeks ago, was saying, you know, not at this time. We'll continue to look at it. So, it's certainly on the table and it's something the province has at its disposal, but I, I mean, they've been so resistant to doing that so far um, that, you know, we, we've been talking about pediatric vaccine doses since last year, mid last year, even, you know, the adult role, it was happening. And there's just not been this kind of full court press to make them one of those required vaccinations. So I guess we'll see, there could be an appetite for it. Honestly, there's, a lot of things have happened in this pandemic that I don't think a lot of us saw coming. So you never know. Um, and you know, the, the booster thing is kind of interesting too, because we're going to be going back to a proof of vaccination system, but that doesn't include boosters at this time. So you with your two doses can still get into bars, restaurants, venues, and things. Um, that'll be an interesting one to watch. If NASI comes out and says, you know, three doses is optimal. That's what we're calling fully vaccinated then. And I'm sure we'll have to pivot again. Uh, you make so many good points um, on March 14th, which I believe is right around March break, pending everything goes 
accordingly to plan. Uh, everything is supposed to be kind of status quo and back to normal, so to speak. Premier Doug Ford had recently said that he does not anticipate the mask mandate being lifted at any point. Again, I know we don't have a crystal ball and I'm not feeling too optimistic about Feb 21st. Uh, do we think that this is even a realistic timeline? I just kind of hesitate when I see these hard dates and I don't know if they do it because they feel like people need a light at the end of the tunnel, but I get more disappointed when that day rolls around and then we're just like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Um, so do you think that come March 14th, things are going to be normal, whatever normal is at this point? So the one thing that public health experts have said about Omicron, and I think we maybe saw it a little bit with the peak of kind of community transmission. We're sort of beyond that as it goes up really fast, then it kind of comes down really quickly. And we saw that in South Africa and other places where it's kind of a sharp increase and then kind of a sharp decline. So you never know in a week or two, maybe this will feel kind of like a weird dream we had or like a distant memory. Uh, we have no way of knowing that, but the hope would be that we could kind of get past this quickly. I, I agree with what you're saying about the uh, the timelines. I, I mean, I think they want to show that they've got a plan in place. Um, but, you know, last fall, they said masks lifted, proof of vax lifted in January, and that just didn't come to fruition. And so it's sort of, you know, I, I think everybody that's been following COVID news has sort of come to realize that you've got to kind of just have a, a, a healthy dose of kind of skepticism and just sort of understanding that things are going to go the way they're going to go. I think as Canadians too, weather obviously plays a huge factor in these numbers, forcing people indoors. And March is one of those months where it can really go one way or another early spring or winter is just hanging on. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Jen, thank you so much for your time. I always appreciate your insight and getting to catch up with you. I look forward to our next chat. Hopefully uh, it will be because more restrictions are being lifted and the numbers have just increased um, in our favor, not increased in the sense that uh, we're seeing more cases, but increased in vaccinations and decreased in cases. Um, mm -hmm. That's it for us for this week. Thank you again for being here and listening. I know, I know a lot of people are kind of feeling the crunch right now and the pinch. I know parents are still apprehensive with regards to, are your kids going to school? Are they not? It's a, it's a scary, stressful time right now. And I do feel for you. So I really appreciate you being here and listening to us. Don't forget that you can always hit subscribe. We are streaming on all of the major podcast platforms. We'll be back again next Thursday with another edition of the LF Press Podcast. Until then, stay well.